0: Give him one more good hand today. We bless him. The Lord is worthy of all of our praise. Give your neighbor a high five. Say, thank God for the rain. I sure hope you take time to tell God thank you after he answers a prayer. Has this cool weather been nice? Yeah, praise the Lord. Hey, turn your Bibles to Matthew 17. Matthew 17, as you're making your way there, I got the nicest present today. I wanted to share it with you. Somebody told me, they said, Oh, I heard a sermon of yours the other day, which intrigued me because they were listening. And so they said, You said something, and it provoked me to get you something. And, and naturally, I'm thinking, Now, was I talking about duck hunting? And I, I No, not, it doesn't weigh enough for a case of shells, um, too little for a magnum decoy. And then, with smiles on the face, I pulled out my gift. For you that don't know this, several years ago I used to play the tambourine quite well in my own eyes. But one of the former musicians who has yet to confess, we used to have leaks in our roof, they threw my tambourine up in the roof and when we remodeled the sanctuary, lo and behold, they found it. They have yet to confess their sin before God. How many communions they've gone through, I don't know. But they have not told me. So Pastor Nick, when is the next tryout for the band? It'll be a while. give Pastor Nick a hand. Had it be great the last few years having him as our worship leader. We appreciate your next uh, church, OK? I could do this at the airport. Harry Krishna did well with that. OK, Matthew 17: we've been talking the last several weeks on a series called "Reflections." Reflections simply was a way to say that we should imitate Christ as our role model in life. Now, I mean, everybody's got role models. Everybody wants to be like somebody. I mean, you know, if you're a duck hunter and you watch the hunting show, then it's, you know, those guys with paint on their face, and I mean, you know, they kill ducks every... Everybody has role models in life. I don't care who you are. Uh, when you buy clothes, ladies, believe, you may think yourself a, style, a trendsetter, but you're following somebody, come on, in Hollywood. You're following somebody in Paris. You're following a trend. We all have role models in life, but the greatest role model is to follow is Christ. Now Acts eleven twenty six, the text of the series. It was at Antioch, Antioch, the north of Jerusalem. It was the center of the Gentile church that Christians, Antioch, that believers were first called Christians. Now think about this: Christian is it's in our everyday vernacular. Since I have been a child, when I've been filling out forms for schools and governments, and they ask about your religion, that's what I check. But in the New Testament, the word Christian is only mentioned three times. And by its definition, it is really two words: the word "Christ means the Messiah, the, Messiah, the Savior. I- N S, the ending, means that we identify with we belong to Him, we're His followers, we are identical in some respects to Him. That mean that we're God, but yet there is a likeness. we are sharing His reflection. We have adopted the values that he espoused. We we try to live the lifestyle that he's enjoined us to live. We try to be like Jesus. We try to as we read our Bibles, we believe it's his word. We try to line our lives up with him. Well, that's a great testimony. If someone were to say to you, "You are a Christian." That should be the greatest testimony because they're, what they're saying, the watching world is saying. When I see you, I, I see Jesus. I see how Jesus would have forgiven someone. How he'd have been merciful. How he'd have been kind. And that's what we talked about last week. We talked about imitating Christ the way we treat people, and we talked about the the golden rule. Okay, so I'm going to repreach last week's message. The golden rule: how we treat people. Treat people the way we. I want them to treat us. Well, this morning, I'm going to challenge you to imitate the faith that Jesus had. That ability to believe God. Now, how many know Christ was somehow fully God and fully man? I can't explain it to you. But yet, the man's side of Christ had to have faith, just like you and I do, to believe God, to do things in his life. Now, I've entitled this morning's message, Extraordinary Results, because likely you're gonna face some things in the future where you don't need just the ordinary resources you've got you may face a time one day when the doctor tells you there's nothing that medical science can do for you how many know God can still do something extraordinary you may find that you may lose your job your company may go bankrupt you may have financial reverses in life you have done everything you could the bank won't loan you any more money you don't know where to get a job how many know God can give you at that point extraordinary results extraordinary results are just not things and finances, but it's, it, is, it is obstacles that are in your life that God has the power and the ability to move out of your way. You may be in a, in, in a relationship. Your spouse has threatened to leave you. Maybe they're already separated. But in your heart, you love them. You want them back. I mean, no, it's pretty extraordinary for you if that marriage is restored you got a kid that's on drugs, and you can't control them, and no, no program has helped them, and the judges threaten them, and they've spent time in, ju- in juvie, and it doesn't do any good. You need something extraordinary. You need God to move in the midst of your world and do something that no man could ever do. Well, that's what we're talking about, and Jesus told us that faith was the means to bring about extraordinary results. Now, Matthew chapter 17, let's look at a passage, 17 verse 14. A man came up to Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. Now, he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Now, his epilepsy was, uh, the fits he had was likely different from what you and I have come to know as an epileptic seizure. It had a spiritual component that made it at a different level, but this child was helpless. Notice. Uh, verse 16 I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. so I want you to feel the helplessness of the situation here's a boy that couldn't control himself he just some some force was driving his life uh, he couldn't handle his life dad had done everything he could dad had used his resources all his ability it didn't get any better uh, doctors couldn't help no one could help and the disciples couldn't help either and I want you to see a picture of a helpless situation but how me know if we're helpless God can be helpful It's impossible for us to go further. God can can do something. And what you see verse 17, after the disciples couldn't heal, Jesus answered, and and, you know, I I look at Jesus as, you know, he's got his arm around people, and he's just this, you know, kind, loving, encouraging. Not this time. Jesus said, O faithless and what? Twisted generation, how long will I be with you? So he was chiding the disciples. It was a rebuke. Because they had walked with him for a number, at this time probably a couple years, they'd walked with him and they'd not learned the lesson of faith yet. See, I want you to see that you and I are on a journey to develop our faith, our ability to touch God for supernatural living just like these disciples were. In verse 19, they came to Jesus privately and said, Why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus said, It was because of your, your unbelief or because of your little faith. In other words, on this faith scale, they were at a bottom. They were like a negative one, which literally means that they didn't believe God could do it. Now, these words we're talking about today, faith, faithless, uh, unbelief, they're real abstract. I have a hard time getting my hands around them. But yet Jesus is basically saying that, hey, guys, when you're faithless, you really don't believe God can do anything about this. This is not the only reason that we have problems, or it's not the only reason that prayers are unanswered, but it is one of them. Because we didn't believe God could do anything about it. Jesus, verse 18, rebukes the demon, it comes out, the boy is healed. Uh, verse 20, Jesus said to them, It was because of your little faith, for truly I say to you. And when you see the word in the Bible, truly or verily, or truly, truly, verily, verily, it, 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 let's just imagine you're in a you're writing a paper and you highlight a phrase, it's very important. You underline it, you make it bold. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Listen up. Uh, for truly, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, "Move from here to there." It will move. And notice the next phrase. That's so staggering, you couldn't even say it out loud. Nothing will be impossible. Now, I don't mean you're the you know the six million dollar man, or I don't mean you're you know you can just go around with a magic wand. But but what, what this scripture is saying is, as you are walking in the will of God, as you are. Uh, being a true disciple, follower of Christ, and you face spiritual mountains in life, and there's things that God wants to push aside or get to the other side. Your faith can get you there. I'm not talking about just your wish list. Everybody's probably got one, and saying if you have enough faith, like a genie's lamp and Aladdin's lamp, and if you just rub it hard enough, you know, then everything on your wish list is going to come true. Like you know, when you were four years old and you went to see Santa on his lap. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people who are disciples, committed followers of Christ, walking after the will of God, confronting a boundary, a limitation in life, and seeing, knowing the will of God is to get through it, get to the other side, that faith is the propulsion that gets us there. Listen, faith works. Uh, Larry's here today. Larry's a Miracle. Larry, stand up. Larry was supposed to be dead several years ago. You, could, you should talk to Larry after church and hear what the doctors said. Uh, he was on a, 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 a list for a liver transplant, kidney transplant. Listen, he was supposed to be a dead man. And the doctors didn't have an explanation why they couldn't find any more problems in his liver. I mean, after the treatments, after the surgery, after all that, and they're hopeless, going to turn him away, God does a miracle. Well, in all of that, he didn't give up. See, sometimes you have to persevere. Sometimes faith is not just a one-time, you know, microwave popcorn, push, you know, cook and out it it comes. Sometimes mountains are hard to move. And as you read this passage, it just seems like it's pretty easy and you tried it and it didn't work, so you never tried it again. I want to encourage you to awaken something in your life today, to believe that my faith can become more deliberate. My faith can become stronger. I can believe where I used to be like the disciples and and didn't believe. Uh, this dad, as I said in this passage, big big problem. He needed something extraordinary to happen. The child is suicidal. The child has what appear to be medical problems, but they are spiritual in their very root. The disciples are helpless, and the bottom line, Jesus said they're helpless because their lack of faith. Now that's a rebuke. I only find one time in the Bible where Jesus rebuked people because their faith was misdirected. Remember when when uh, the sons of Zebedee wanted to call down fire from heaven. That's a pretty big deal to literally believe that God could send fire from heaven. The rest of the time, he's rebuking them for the same reason I feel under rebuke, is for my lack of faith. Either because of experience, because I'm unwilling to pay the price, I'm unwilling to push in through fasting, through prayer, because there's a demonic hindrance that's there for whatever reason, and that Jesus kind of bumps them. Because Jesus, and here's the lesson, is you and I can have extraordinary results through faith. I mean, if you're, if you're in a relational quagmire, and it's a mess, and divorce is imminent. It's just a mess. Listen, though two people each have their own will, and some people can go against God's will, if there's an inkling to turn your heart to Christ from both people, listen, miracles can happen. God can fix what's been broken. Somebody say praise the Lord. Now, faith, simple definition in our context, faith is simply believing that God can do what's impossible. You look at your checkbook, and your checkbook shows not enough money. Anybody ever been there? And listen, you have to live within the boundary. Faith isn't, if you've got, you know, $100, faith is not writing a $200 check and going to cash it. That is a setup with a DA. Let me just go ahead and tell you that right now. It's not going to help you if you go to the district attorney and said My preacher told me to have faith when I write my check. No. No. You live within that boundary, but faith sees beyond the boundary. Faith can stand in front of the computer and say, Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and God will take care of me. I don't believe God promises everybody big diamond rings and big cars and big houses. Now, look, if He gives it to you, praise the Lord. But, but we don't use faith to manipulate God just to get something. But He's promised you daily bread. He's promised you shelter. He's promised you clothing. He's promised you an ability to be content where you are and what you have. Uh, let's explore this a little bit more now. Back in this verse, again, this boy has uh, is, is, uh, got problems. Some translations says he's moonstruck. What in the world does that mean? Uh, there was a there was a, a a belief it was you know kind of a what would the word be? Well, anyway, he the, some, the, in their culture uh, they explained some some spiritual things or misunderstood things they didn't understand. They would try to come up with some definition, and basically they said it's because of the phase of the moon that he's having epileptic seizures, and there's some natural explanation to it. Other translations say he says he was a lunatic. He was mentally out of control, again not necessarily what we see as a seizure today. Mark said he foamed at the mouth. Uh, This boy had problems, and uh, how many know Jesus is the problem solver? So as we see, the disciples couldn't do anything about it. Now it's interesting, but go ahead and put the next verse, verse 16 on the screen. When the disciples couldn't do anything about it again, Jesus didn't just put his arms on their shoulders and say, "I understand where you are, guys. Come on, nudge you along." He said, "Faithless, perverse generation. It's a rebuke." He said, "Twisted, perverse." Now, that doesn't mean that they were evil, but it simply means is your thinking is messed up. Your you, you, the fact is that you're living in this boundary of the natural, of reason, experience, whatever the case is. That they just really didn't believe God could do anything about it. Now, have you ever been there as a Christian? Somebody said, would you pray for me? And, and praying, you really didn't believe it happened, but you can pray anyway. I can't even put my hands around what faith is. But, but sometimes I know it when it's there and I know it when it's not. I, I remember a number of years ago, there was a, there was a, a couple we'd become, become associated with. They were leading a boy's home out of town, and a very spiritual family. Well, he was in a car accident, very, very serious tragic accident, and his neck, he had some damage to his spinal cord, and the doctors told him that he would never walk again. Now, I go to a lot of hospital rooms, and I'm telling you, I I don't see many people just right. well, I've never seen anybody get out of a bed like that, but I believe that they can get out of the bed like that. Well, anyway, we go in there, and it's kind of an awkward spot for me. I, the, the doctors are there, and we're, they're talking about, about he'll never walk again. And she keeps saying, my husband will walk out of this room. And there was something different about it. I mean, it was not just her words, but, but there was something different about it. And every time I went up there, it was, my husband will walk out of this room. My husband, I said, will walk out of this room. And it was almost like, let's get rid of the doubt and unbelief, which is what Jesus did. When he would go do a miracle, he would get everybody out of the room except his disciples, and he would pray, and he would, he would tend to be open for miracles. But I'm telling you, that guy's walking today. What, what was his name? Remember? We're getting older, okay? I'm a tambourine. Anyway, uh, he, he's walking. Now, I wish I could tell you that everybody will walk. Not everybody will walk, but some people do. And you're more apt to get extraordinary results if you have faith. I'm just telling you. Jesus rebuked him for being faithless. But what he's not saying is every time you have faith and something doesn't happen that way, that you don't need to be under a guilt trip. Now, here's kind of a caution or kind of I I don't know what, even what word to use, but sometimes we believe for mountains to be removed, it's not God's will. Let me say it again. Sometimes there's mountains that we wish were moved, but they're not God's will to move that mountain. Sometimes you want some things that, that, that we wish God would do for us and He doesn't do them. What do you do then? Let me give you a perfect example, and I want my wife to hear this. Um, when I was in the Navy, blah, 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 blah. When I was in the Navy, I was probably 22, I was in Alaska, and I met this girl that I thought, this, she's off the chart. She's fine, and I got Jesus, and now I'm ready to find somebody. Honey, you're not listening, right? Anyway, I love that girl. I, I tell you how lovesick I was. I was in California, and I, got, and I got a weekend pass on a three-day weekend to take a nine-hour airplane, one-way, prop job, sitting on a board. I'm telling you, man, I am so lovesick, it is crazy. And I get up there, and I think, she is the magic one. And then I come back to California, we communicate, I go to Japan, and she never writes me again, come on, she never, I never hear from her, no phone calls, no nothing, and then she marries one of my what I thought was my friends. Now, here's the story, I prayed the whole time that she was going to be mine. I prayed the whole time that that would be the person for me. I'm telling you, I believed, I confessed, I did all the things that all the books and everything told me to do. But you know what? She just was cut out of my life, and I got disappointed with God. I just felt, well, well, maybe you're not real, or maybe you don't care. So I'm going to punish you. I'm not going to church for a couple weeks, and I didn't. I'm here to tell you, I didn't go to church for a couple weeks. Here's here's the point. I had as much as I knew how to have faith. It didn't happen because God had something better in mind. You heard that, didn't you? God had something better for me. And faith is not a way that you can manipulate God to get God to do what you want. It is not Jeannie's lamp. It's not like going to the grocery store with your little kid and you put in the quarter and turn the wheel and automatically out the answer comes. Faith is more like a drawbridge over the old classic uh, uh, moat and the alligators are down there and you put the drawbridge down to God. Well, faith doesn't force God to come across. How many know God is sovereign, not our faith? And our faith is not a manipulative force that we get God to do what we want to do. But how many know the Bible also says without faith it's impossible to please Him? So faith is is the currency that we have that we relate to God. So sometimes our prayers are not answered irregardless of our faith because it's not God's will. The Bible even tells us in 1 John, and they might put that scripture up, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and we know if he hears us, then we have the petitions that we've, we've desired of God. But here's another reason that things don't happen. You've got a real devil that's in this world. There's real evil, and he's called the thief that came to do what? That's exactly right. And you may be in a situation, and it may, not, it may be God's will for God to do something, but you've got a big, mean old devil there that is just not moving. Now, let me give you a big example. Abortion. I don't think anyone would argue the fact that if the Bible says that God created us, we have personhood in the womb. Uh, if the Bible says that our days were recorded in a book before one of them came to be, that the God's will, listen, is that children would live. But in our culture, there is nothing, I think, fought against more, with more uh, tenacity than for the right to have an abortion. Now, I think there's a spiritual force that's behind that. I think it deceives people. We don't hear in our media about the connections with disease. We don't hear uh, in our media about the connections with depression. All those different things that can happen. And listen, I'm not just talking as an outsider. I've got first-hand experience with this. We don't hear about the shame. We don't hear about the guilt and all those things that are associated with it. There's just this push. Well, how long has, have people in America been standing that that would be reversed? Since it was passed in, what, 1973? How long has that been? 27, 37, 38 years that Christians have been pushing back against it. Well, it's a spiritual component to it. And we'll learn a little bit more about this next week in our faith, is that faith is not just instant potatoes faith pushes and keeps on pushing and stands and keeps on standing and keeps on pushing until an answer comes we even see in the Bible the book of Daniel one prayer was it was three weeks before the prayer was answered the Bible says I heard you when you began to pray but there was war in heaven and so you may be in a situation and you've tried to have faith and it could well be God's will but it just takes tenacity to keep pushing in the bottom line most of us want to quit before the answer comes so, again, this is, this is not just simple potatoes. The mustard seed was the smallest seed in the world, and they're there. In other words, it was super-duper small. This mountain was huge, and what God is basically saying is, if, if our faith, if you imagine on a scale 1 to 10, a mustard seed is a point .1. Jesus simply said this, point .1 will get the job done. Believe and don't quit. And this is what God is telling us in this passage of Scripture, is that, is that faith can move mountains. Impossible situations and circumstances. Here's what I know. I've been a Christian serving the Lord uh, is, uh, for 30 years, and I find that it's difficult sometimes to know what God's will is when we have faith for something. Let me illustrate this for you. A few Wednesdays ago, our Wednesday night services here at church, we have a lot of, you know, it's where we do classes and discipleship, and I, we, I just came real clear to me, we're out of classroom space. We're putting people in offices, you know, closets. I mean, we're, just, we're we're out of space, not quite sure what to do. In my natural mind, I had four or five different options, and I'm not sure what God's will is. But let me tell you how I'm praying. Thank you, Lord, that you've got a solution to this problem. I don't know what it is, yet one day God will show us, and we can take steps in that direction, but here's the way I pray. Lord, thank you that you're going to show us what to do because we're building your kingdom and we're going forwards. Now, there is faith in that because it's yet to become specific of what the answer is. So I don't know if this helps you a little bit, but the bottom line in this story, Jesus is teaching us that faith, belief in God, confidence, assurance, that God will do what He said He would do, will cause extraordinary results to come in your life. Give the Lord a good hand there. Now, Jesus, let me give you some other verses. Jesus often linked faith to extraordinary results. Matthew 9, 22. Here's a woman that the Bible said had constant bleeding for 12 years. In other words, she had some female issues. She cannot stop the blood. She'd spend all her money. Matthew 9, Jesus said, Daughter, be encouraged. Say it with me. Your, Your faith opened the door to the extraordinary result. Two men were blind. Matthew 9, 28. Jesus said, do you, do you believe I can make you see? And they said, Yes, Lord. And they told him, We do. He touched their eyes and said, Because of... He didn't say, because I'm the Son of God. He said, because of your faith, it will happen. And then their eyes were opened, they could see. Here's another one. Matthew 15, a daughter is tormented. Jesus said to her that your... So your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. So, so here again, faith is an invitation for God to act. Faith is like going in the store. I mean, let's just say... A, Let's just say you go into the dollar store and I may know you can get something with a dollar in a dollar store. Some places you can't get anything with a dollar. But in a dollar store, you can get something. If you've got a fiver, you can pretty much buy anything in the store. I mean, bottom line, though, when you go in that store, faith is the currency interchange. Let's just say this is a $5 bill and $10. Let's say it's a $10 bill with inflation, and we're going to buy a loaf of bread, good bread, whole wheat bread, you know, with all the, you know, the grains on top of it and, and some low-fat milk. And you go in there, you put a tin on the table, you have every expectation that the clerk is going to put it in the bag and give you some change, and you're walking out with your bread. Because you had the currency to exchange. Come on, currency for bread. This is like faith. When you go to God, faith is an exchange mechanism. You don't go in Walmart hoping that your $10 bill is going to get you some bread. You go in there and you have faith that when you put it on the counter and you give them the bread, you take the steps, you go to the cash register, it's coming your way. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling us. Now, on the flip side, though, Jesus said the lack of faith would stop extraordinary results from happening. And this is the thing that I experience most often in my life. Most often, my problem is not misdirected faith, calling down fire from heaven. Usually, my problem is a lack of faith. Now, Matthew 6:30, and this applies to us. You may say, well, the healing thing is a little bit beyond my ability to grasp. hope it won't be, but, but anyway, maybe it is. But worry about tomorrow is certainly in all of our grasp. And everybody said... Listen, you just turn the television on, the world's falling apart. I mean, stock market dropped several hundred points. If you even own gold and silver, it was down. And head of the IMF said, listen, world has big problems. European Union's falling apart. And then we got all the crazies surrounding Israel. I hope you pray for Israel. You know. Well, anyway, all this stuff in the world and Jesus talks about worry. And in Matthew chapter 6, he said in verse 30, if God clothes the grass of the field, some interpretations talk about the beauty of the wildflowers, it's here today, tomorrow it's thrown in the fire, that is for their fuel for the fire, Uh, will he not much more clothe you, O you, of? So when we worry, we're guilty of little faith. Though we have $10, we just don't know if we went in Walmart, if anything's going to happen. Well, how about a time of fear? Anybody ever wrestle with fear? Come on, both hands, both feet. Well, Matthew 8 26, the disciples were in a storm, afraid they were going to die, and Jesus replied to them, yeah. Why are you so afraid? Little faith, he got up, he rebukes the winds and waves, and it was calm. Last one, oh, Matthew 13, Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth, and notice what he said, he did not do many miracles there because. So. Now, you may be sitting there today, and you may say, well, you know, I've had faith, and it didn't work. Well, here's my question for you. Even though it didn't work before, maybe it could work again. Maybe it could work the next time, because Jesus is teaching us this. And I want to imitate him, and I can, guarantee, I can make a guarantee to you, if you choose not to have faith, I can virtually guarantee you, you won't have extraordinary results. Yeah. I mean, faith gives you the option. punch your neighbor, and he's preaching better than we're amening this morning. I, I I know you're thinking, but I simply this is what I say, and I'll tell you it real personally in my life because I, I I have struggles with anxiety and worry and fear just like you do, and I've got some things that just roll over in my mind more than others. Anybody? You know, maybe you found a, a lump somewhere, and you know. You know, the doctor said it's probably nothing but it just torments you. You understand what I'm talking about. I mean I mean it's just out there. Here's what I do when that track is going over in my mind. I either declare a scripture or here's what I simply tell myself, I choose to believe. I say it, if nobody's there, I say it out loud, I choose to believe. You're looking at the computer screen, your Quicken program, however you manage your checkbook. You're looking at the actual checkbook. You're looking at your billfold. You're standing in front of the ATM machine and hoping the balance would change. Come on. Rubbing the ATM machine won't help. You know, big old genie's lamp. But you can stand in it and you can cuss or you can say, I choose to believe. You can look the problem square in the eye. I choose to believe. Abraham, we may look at this next week, Romans 4. Abraham and Sarah, beyond childbearing age, God said you're going to have a baby. And the Bible said they chose, listen, to give praise to God. They chose to not just let the circumstances define them. Faith doesn't deny circumstances. This is not Christian science. Listen, if you're sick, you're sick. But you can look at it and say, I still believe. You have an intelligent conversation with your doctor, and then you say, I still believe. And if you have a physician that's willing to pray for you, with you, all the better. But something arises in our heart, says, I believe God. See, you can believe God till the mountain moves, listen, or you slip into heaven. Some of the greats in the Bible, I just read in my Bible reading yesterday about Daniel in the lion's den. What a tremendous miracle. Daniel was taken from the lion's den. Well, guess what? Stephen was stoned. Faith is not just the way to get God to do something right now. Faith is the way to please God every day. Whether the prayer is answered here or whether it's answered in eternity, give God a big hand. Faith will help you walk through things, not just get things. Hey, I'm way out of time, but I want to give you let me give you two more verses. Jesus told us how to develop faith and get extraordinary results. Now, I'm going to follow up with this next week, kind of a part two. I want you to come back and, and bring a friend. Come on Saturday. We've got more room on Saturday night. But, but anyway, John 20, verse 24, here's the first thing I want to tell you. Faith is a choice. Can you say that with me? Faith is a choice. Is a choice. Faith is a choice and unbelief is a choice. You can choose to believe or not. Thomas, verse 24, one of the twelve, said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, what's it say? He made a choice. He made a choice. You can say, I will believe no matter what I see. I will believe no matter what the bank statement says. I will believe no matter what the the whatever the school says or anybody else says. I will choose. Now verse 27, Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, put it in my side, and what did Jesus say? Now the basis of his faith, which is crucial, was Jesus had said multiple times, I'm coming back from the dead. I'm going to rise again. And they didn't believe it. But on that basis, he should have said I don't need to see the nail scarred hands come on I choose to believe it because Jesus said it and that's the same thing you can say when the Holy Spirit makes something real and quickens in your heart I choose to believe and then Jesus makes a promise for us verse 28 Thomas said to him my Lord and my God verse 29 Jesus said because you have seen me you have believed but blessed are those who have that's you Some conversations in the Bible are about the people in that chapter, and it's really not about anybody else. But this is to all of us. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And that's what communion was about a few minutes ago. You saw a plastic cup with a little grape juice, and you said, I believe that Jesus Christ, and this reminds me of Him. And I want to tell you, it's powerful. But you must choose to believe and not let reason, come on, experience and the facts draw the boundaries of the box for you. Let your faith get you outside of the box. I wish I had more time, but that's the first lesson from Thomas, is faith is a choice. You must choose to believe because you can also choose not to believe. Here's one more, Mark 11, 20, and I'm going to close with this. It's important that we say what we believe. Now, I realize this may strike a chord in some of you. You might have had some bad experiences, bad teaching, extremism, whatever. I mean, sometimes we tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's let the Bible speak to us. Mark eleven twenty. They passed by in the morning. They saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. Now here's the story. Jesus the day before had been hungry, and he wanted some figs. and 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 He went to the fig tree, looked in the leaves, no figs, and he cursed it. Do you remember like these oak trees around us? One has green leaves, and right next to it, one has brown leaves. Well, they get there the next morning, and the green leaves are brown. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, almost in amazement. The fig tree you cursed is withered. Has God ever done something real big for you and you just walked around saying, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. I can't believe it. I I just had a miracle. I can't believe it. Come on. I got a job. I can't believe it. Listen to what you're saying. And then what Jesus said, verse 22 Jesus answered them. So he's just done he's made the natural become supernatural and then he's basically telling the boys you can do this That's what he's saying have faith in God align yourself up with the will of God and then nothing can stand in your way this is not just the Christmas wish list this is alignment align yourself with the will of God, and nothing can stand in your way now notice what he says after he said have faith in God truly I say to you whoever something about the power of our words words are containers of faith or unbelief I can't believe it. I just, I just can't believe I got a raise. I can't believe I got that sale. Be taken up and thrown into the sea. Again, a hyperbola. Does not doubt in his heart. Doubts the killer. But believes that what he... Jesus is pretty straightforward. It'll be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received it. Kind of past tense. And it will be yours. There's a lot there. We don't have time to really dig it out, but I want to tell you there's something about faith that I need more more expression in my life. I need to believe more what the Holy Spirit says than what they say on talk radio. I need to believe more about my retirement. Come on, that God will take care of me, not what my IRA statement says. IRA statements are important. It teaches you how to pray. It makes you depend on God. But God is my ultimate source and my supply. But there's something powerful about the words that come out of our mouth. Now I think you can maybe go too far in this and trying to rub Genie's lamp or rub the ATM machine. I don't care how many times you say, come forth, come out, money's not coming out, out of that machine if you don't, you know, if you don't have money in there. But when you're linked up with the will of God and you are declaring the will of God and the thing that you're desiring to come to pass. Jesus said, "There's some power released in that. It's a power release." I remember, and I, I'm still just rejoicing. My road got paved. Kind of a five-year experience. But uh, I, I talked to one of my neighbors. My neighbor said, "I can't, I can't believe that our road got paved. I can't believe we were able to do this." And then I'm thinking, I walk down I, when I turn on the road every day. I said, "Thank you, Jesus, for paving." My It just took five years for it to get paid. I wish it had been paid the first time I prayed, but sometimes I may know you've got to push and push and push until something good happens. Well, listen, we're going to explore this next next week, but how many, really, I need extraordinary things in my life. I'm going to let the Lord push me a little further in my faith. Come on, give him a a good hand this this morning. He's worthy of, of all of our praise. Now, put that last scripture back up, please. I think it's verse 26. We're going to close a little differently. Normally, we, we, we have prayer team at the front, and people that want prayer can come down. But I'm going to ask that everybody participate in this this morning and just pray at your seat. Uh, you, if you don't want to, you certainly don't have to if you're not comfortable. But I'm going to ask you in just a second to pray with somebody near you. Because here's what I know. Everybody in this room has something that they're praying, asking God to do. Every one of us in this room have something that we're praying. Listen to what Jesus said. This is from Matthew's gospel. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, and I want to encourage you, let yourself get out of the boat like Peter again. The same words that Christ said come out here. The same God that's writing these words. And when you turn to someone today, I want you to ask them this question. What can I believe God with you about? Where are you praying? Not just words, but let's put some faith in this thing. Why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet. And again, I want to ask you to do it. This will be the last thing we do. And after your prayer is done, you'll be free to be dismissed. But I want to ask you to turn to someone near you, if you will. If you don't know their name, introduce yourself. But if you just would just take just a second and say, this is what I'm believing God for. I want you to pray with me. And listen, God will hear our prayer. You keep praying about this thing until the answer comes, and when it does, I want you to tell me. So just turn to someone, and we'll close this way this morning, and just ask them, What can I pray with you about? What are you believing God for?